Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Last week we began uh, Life After Resurrection. I talked about the, the message of the simplicity of the Spirit of God. The simplicity of what God has always intended and wanted us to be able to have and to experience uh, in what he has left us after Jesus' ascension. He did not leave us as orphans, but he left the Holy Spirit with us. And it wasn't like uh, he, he gave us third prize. It wasn't like he gave us leftovers, although I don't know about you, but I ate meatloaf yesterday that had been in the fr fridge for about three days, and it was better than the first day we ate it. So I'm not anti-leftover, but God is. And he doesn't give leftovers. He gives us his very best. And that's what he did when he gave us the Holy Spirit. So today's a, a, a big day for those of you who know, I'm, I'm not a, a tie wearer all the time for those of you who are visiting with us. But today is a great day because my grandson's graduating from high school today. And I'm in my purple shirt representing not Pickerington Central. Don't, Nick, don't even think for a minute that that would ever be the case from this pulpit. Uh, but I'm representing uh, Bloom Carroll today. And Micah, so if you could put his, his picture up there. So uh, I remember, uh, I take my grandkids all to their first Ohio State game. And so the camera, oh no, Ged was on the camera back there. So he's next. And so that's Micah. And uh, uh, it's interesting because we're talking about the supernatural and being in the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. In January 6th of 2004, when he wasn't even a year old, this is a prophetic word that came across for him. It says, my son, I have put you in you a soft heart, a heart that will always be after me. If you know my grandson, you'll know he has a tremendous soft heart. He has eight other cousins, and when we have any party where we're all there, as soon as Micah runs, gets in the door, all eight of his, well, maybe not the older ones so much now, but all the little ones, Micah, 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 they run to him and, and just hug him. People will want to bear their heart to you. You will be known as, the, uh, as a melter of hearts, a restorer of ways, someone that will help the downtrodden, and uh, you will help those in need, and you will build up many. For there's a spirit of restoration within you. And so, uh, and, and it talks about, and God's favor is upon you. And so Micah was a great student. He's going to attend the University of Akron. He is uh, an honor student in uh, University of Akron. And uh, because of that, he actually got a private dorm room, and that's God's favor. And, uh, but even more than that, he's uh, going to be an aerospace engineer. And the desire of his heart since he's been 15 is to work at SpaceX. And he wants to, to be a part of that whole uh, space program. And so hold fast, because when God speaks, he means what he says. And so often we're very good at giving prophetic words and dedications for babies with younger children. And when you have those words, pray over them, because that's the life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit is in the words that God speaks. Uh, the Bible's very clear about the Holy Spirit that He only speaks what He hears from the Father. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and in you and through you, that is the life of the Father. It's just natural. I say this all the time that my God can't help Himself. Number one, he loves to be with his children. Number two, he loves to speak to his children. Number three, he loves to bless his children. And when you receive impartation through the Holy Spirit in any way, shape, or form, it will always bring you to another level. Every encounter that we have with God always brings us to another level. What could that level be? Another level of faith. What could that level be? Another level of hope. 
What could that level be? It could be that time, those days when you have no idea how you're going to move forward. But God, through his spirit, speaks a word into your heart. And you're not only able to get through that moment, but you become what the Bible says, more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. It's natural. It's simple. And I said last week, if the Bible says it, I believe it and I choose choose to receive it. Receiving the Holy Spirit is a choice. Now, when we talk about that, I know that I see uh, uh, all kinds of new faces here today, and I'm excited for you to be here. And I'm going to do my very best to explain the what and the why and the how we get the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have already received the infilling with the Holy Spirit, there's a fresh outpouring waiting for you today. The Bible says be filled continually with the Spirit. It's not just a one-time process, but we can be continually filled. And I don't know about you, but I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so let's just take a journey, a quick journey through multiple scripture texts today. And I would encourage you to borrow a pen from your neighbor because you want to write these down so that you can access them and be able to apply them to your life and know the truth behind them. The Bible tells us, and Jill began preaching my message this morning, uh, it must be because we have a family anointing, but uh, I was almost got up and put my arm around her and said, that's great, Jill, go sit down now, hallelujah. So, but I did not. The Bible tells us this. You all ready? You ready for this? You ready to take a journey down Holy Spirit Lane and allow him to do what he's gifted and called us to do? All right, here we go. The Bible says this. In Mark 1, 7, it says, And he preached, saying, There comes one after me, the he is John the Baptist. And the one that comes after me is Jesus, okay? Who, who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. Verse 8 is the key. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist is the baptism of water. We experienced that for two straight weeks, multiple people being baptized in water for the remission of their sins in the baptism of John. Some people might ask you, whose baptism were you baptized in? That's a clean question all through the book of Acts. And it wasn't because they were confused, it was because they wanted to know is it water baptism that you've only been baptized in or have you also been baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit? So the Bible goes on to say in verse 10, and Jesus is being baptized and it says, and immediately he came, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the, the spirit, and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. So that was the time when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' life. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11, because I want you to, to, to be clear about something, because there's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. Is Jesus still baptizing in the Holy Spirit today? Are people still being filled with the Spirit? Or is that something that ended in the life of the apostles because we don't need that anymore? Well, I'm going to prove to you today that we not only still need that, that Jesus is still doing it today, and that it is for the express purpose of the New Testament church fulfilling the destiny that we have until Jesus returns. That mission cannot be accomplished in the flesh. There's only so far we can go with the genius that we all have in this great minds of ours, but there's something that God imparts to us so that we can move to the next destiny that he has for us, and that's preparing the world for his coming. And so, listen to this. The Bible says in Luke chapter uh, third, uh, chapter 11, I'm going to say, I'm going to start in verse 9. 
It says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for, asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to this, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to who? To those who ask. For those who ask. It's, it's no mystery. The Holy Spirit is for the, for the taking. The Holy Spirit is something you ask and then you choose to receive. It's simple. It's been uh, talked about in a hundred different ways about how difficult it is and is the Holy Spirit still alive and does God still do that and, and all of these types of things. The answer is yes to all of those. And the simplicity is, is that it still happens for those who simply ask and they will receive. Turn with me to John chapter 14. I'm going to take just a quick trip. What are we asking for? What are we asking for? And, and, and how does this happen? Well, what we're asking for is something that, as I said before, for those of you who might have missed it last week, when Jesus uh, uh, was at the time of the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22, and he said these words about how he was headed towards the cross, he wasn't lamenting about it. As a matter of fact, he said it's with passion, or the Bible says, with a fervent desire. I desire to go to the cross because until I go to the cross, I cannot release the Holy Spirit unto you. So he knew what happened to him at his baptism when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then he began to perform miracles and had the strength to withstand all of the pressures that were on him. He knew that if he was going to turn the work of the New Testament church in the book of Acts over to those disciples who continued to love him, that they too were going to have to have the power that he had from above. And so he begins to describe it something like this. In John chapter 14, verse 15, it says this. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for why he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We sang a song in, in, earlier today and it talked about the veil being torn. It talked about that, that time when uh, uh, Jesus had, had died upon the cross and the earth quaked and the veil was torn. And the symbolism of that is perfectly clear. What that means is, is that now each and every one of us have an open access into that heavenly realm to have a personal connection with Jesus that only the priests used to have in the Old Testament. But Jill so uh, uh, succinctly pointed out that when, in John chapter 20, I believe it is, when the Bible says Jesus breathed the Spirit on on, on the disciples, that is exactly what was happening, was a restoration of the original intent when God breathed life into Adam and Adam came to life. He never intended for Adam to sin. He never intended for Adam to die, but he did sin. He did die. And so Jesus is in this reenactment of breathing upon them was saying that there is complete restoration and of that relationship that was broken by sin through uh, what happened in the garden. And now I'm not, I'm tearing the veil. I'm opening up that same personal access that Adam had in the garden. Perfect, unbroken relationship. 
And that's what he is symbolizing there, that I breathe life upon you. It's uh, uh, the, 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 the new resurrection life that you can have. And so he won't leave us as orphans. The spirit of truth will come. The helper or the advocate will be with us. Looking at verse 25 in that same chapter 14, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring remembrance to the things that I have said to you. And verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. I give to you not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. There's a great distinction and designation. It's the second time that he points out when you know Jesus, then you have the opportunity to have the infilling or the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to us. He brings truth to us. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. It says in verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And what's going to happen to you? Verse 27. And you shall bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is not just for us to have a beyond the veil encounter with Jesus. It's for us to be empowered to be a witness for him. And then as we are witnessing every gift that God has in store for us, and I demonstrated that to you last week, is there for us to utilize to do the great work that God has called us to do. It's an amazing thing, first of all, that God would turn the church, the New Testament church, over to a bunch of imperfect people to do such a powerful work. But he did, and he does, and he trusts us. And he does because he knows that we will have the power to do the work because of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 16, verse 5, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, Where are you going? But I have said these things uh, to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Listen to what Jesus is saying. The Son of God is walking hand in hand with his disciples. They are seeing him do tremendous miracles. They are watching uh, demons bow to the name of Jesus. They are watching blind eyes be opened, deaf ears, lepers being made whole, uh, people flocking to, to every place that he goes. And then he says to them, it's to your advantage that I go away. Wow, how can that be? For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, sometimes we get caught in this vortex of Western theology and thought and the way we're taught and the way we do and think. It doesn't match with a spiritual thought process where faith has to come alive in us to connect us to uh, God himself, that, that, that God will enable us to do the things that he's called us to do. And then what comes alive is what Jesus said in John chapter 14. I have to go away, he says in 16, because even greater things will you do in my name. And so, uh, you know, I hear people saying all the time, that's almost blasphemous. How can we do? It's not blasphemous if Jesus himself is the one that's saying, you will do greater things than me. If you are leading in any way, shape or form, your job is to make everyone who is following you better than you are so that they can accomplish more than you ever have in your life. 
And see, these are kingdom principles. The world and our theology at work, we want to step on people over top of them, hurt them, curse them, so that we can get the next promotion. That's not the way it works in the kingdom. And when you're filled with the Spirit, God himself will promote you to the levels that you need to be because he knows that when you operate life in his Spirit, that everyone who is under your leadership will ultimately become better people. And that's what Jesus does. He is willing to go away and face a death on the cross so that the Spirit can come to us and empower us to do even greater things than He has done. It is almost mind-boggling, but yet it's so simple. Because this is what He says. Now, if you were His disciples, you might be blown away about at this point, thinking... We have invested our whole life in you. There is no way that we will be able to do this without you. But that's not the truth. Not only have we continued to do it for thousands of years without him, but we have added more people to the kingdom of God multiple times more than when he was on the earth. And that's not a, that's not a blasphemous saying. That's not saying Jesus was weak. It's saying what we were empowered to do. And in verse 8, it says, And when he has come, he will come to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Isn't that awesome? See, we're not the convictors of sin. We're the, we're the ones who are the lovers and leaders to Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. How does he do that? Well, a lot of times people see how other believers live and they know that that's not the way their life is and then they will come and say, why are you always so happy? How do you and your wife always get along? Is that phony? Do you fight behind the scenes? Are you always that happy? And the truth is, is that that is the Holy Spirit beginning to work on somebody's life to bring them to you to be the ministry that they need. And it's an exciting thing when you grasp the concept of how the kingdom works. Verse 10, it says, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now listen, it says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. How wise is Jesus? You know, there's sometimes when you're in a conversation with somebody and what you want to say is way more than they can handle, it's better that you say nothing at all. Amen. Say nothing at all if what you're going to say is beyond what they can handle at that particular moment. Verse 13, however, everyone say however. When he, the spirit of truth comes, listen to this, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit is that life force that lives inside of us. Remember in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit would come upon people and perform a purpose, and then the Spirit would not rest or stay or dwell upon them. But for our purpose, because we are going to be the New Testament believers that operate the church until Jesus comes, he knew that wasn't enough. He knew that he had to break the back of the law, follow this rule, follow that rule, follow the other rule, and bring us into a place that we are motivated by grace because it's in that grace that he touches our imperfection so that the Holy Spirit can lead us to do the ministry that he's called and gifted us to do. How does that look in a practical sense? Well, there was a time when we were in uh, Oaxaca and our ministry team was beginning to minister and we went to a place that was full of uh, a, 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 a religion called Santeria and uh, it's a very demonic mix of uh, Catholicism and East African uh, voodoo worship. And they come together and they form this powerful spiritual force in, in, in different areas. Very prevalent in Cuba, very prevalent in different places in Mexico and throughout Central America. 
And so we're beginning to try to set up all of our things. We're on a stage and we're the streets here and they've got all these places where people can sit and watch our ministry. People are coming and coming. And we, uh, every time we turn the power on, we start to play, nothing happens. Every time we, uh, and then we think we got it fixed, it happens again. Every time we get it fixed, we, it happens again. And so I said, look, we need to pray. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to show us what is going on here. We need to know exactly what God wants to do. We began to pray and God showed me underground that there was a, a, a visible force that was disconnecting the power to, from the power source to where we were. And I said, look, here's what's happening. The Spirit of God just showed me this. And sure enough, we began to pray against that, and, and uh, it, the break stopped, the power was, was, was uh, restored, and uh, then you know something. If the enemy's working that hard to come against what you're doing, there must be something extremely exciting that is about ready to happen. Well, that was a fact. And so we did our drama, the streets were filled with people who wanted to come and ask Jesus Christ to be their personal savior. But here's what was even more uh, energizing than that. As I've told you, we break up into four groups and we have four team members, four interpreters. And then I say, this was awesome that you found Jesus Christ as your personal savior. But there's some of you here today that you need the power of God to touch your life in some form of healing. Well, many of these people were riddled with the spirit of Santeria. And after they came uh, to know Jesus, the enemy didn't want that to happen. And we began people flooding to our prayer pods. And so one pod after the other, we would just hear deliverance, deliverance going on, deliverance. I'm not talking about your normal, neat and tidy and orderly deliverance. I'm talking about the head spinning, the puke going, the whole nine yards deliverance ministry. I know that might be a little uh, difficult for some of you to understand. When you're in the midst of it, you're, you're, having a, you're, you're battling too. And so this is happening, and for three hours, we ministered to people in the streets, and it was the most incredible time that, uh, uh, that I can really remember where there was just a demonic op uh, opposition against what we were doing. And so, uh, but we prevailed over that. And, and God showed up, and, and for hours our teammates got to minister in a form that they would not have gotten before. But the Holy Spirit revealed to us that there was somebody breaking our power source, and it was not enabling us to do what was going to happen, because the enemy knew how powerful that was going to be. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and empowers us for ministry. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And what's even, as you know, that, that's like ultra, ultra, ultra ministry. But yet, this simple prophetic word to my grandson 18 years ago that we're seeing come to pass now, that's as powerful as that ministry was. Amen? And so here's the deal. Where do you come in? Well, you come in right from the hit. Okay? So uh, Jesus says, and I missed the scripture, and I want to go back to this. Uh, Jonathan, go back before I hit this realm of scripture. Go, everybody put your finger there and go to uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Okay. I got good news for you today. Tammy and I have to be to Bloom Carroll High School and uh, amen that's right and so buckle your seatbelt. i've got a lot of scripture to talk to you about and we're going to see the holy spirit do something great today uh luke chapter 24 okay so jesus is getting ready to share some something incredible hallelujah something amazing so luke 24 let's start in verse 44 okay then he said to his disciples them these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now, 
I just, I just want to say this real quickly. In the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus adds something to that that John must have heard and Luke didn't find it as, as appealing. But he also said that for those of you who have not seen me yet believe, it's even more powerful than the belief system that the disciples had because they saw him and believed. Okay? So you, we want you to understand that. We are in the group of people who did not see Jesus walk on the earth, but because of the witness and his testimony, we have accepted him as our personal Savior. Now, in verse 45, it says, He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. One of the greatest tools of the Holy Spirit is, is every time you open your Bible, before you read a word, you need to pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to see in the Scripture. Remember John 14, 15, and 16? He guides us into all truth. He, he shows us the things that are from the Father. And so why, why would we not ask the Spirit of God that lives inside of us to elevate out of the Word exactly what we need for that particular moment. See, it's simple. And when you begin to pray, open your Bible and say, Holy Spirit, show me. What's going to begin to happen is this. Your Bible is going to become 3 and 4D. What used to be historical is going to become factual. What used to become uh, words on a page are going to be things that come to life. What used to be stories that you read, you're going to be able to begin to see them in your mind's eye. And then they're going to quickly come to a place to where they're going to come alive inside of you. Where these things are not just things that happened to people in the past. These are preparing you for what you're going to see in the future and even greater things. 46, then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, behold, everybody say behold. behold. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now you've heard me if you've taught me, if you've heard me once, I've taught this 50 times here because of the power and the impact of that. Tammy has a jacket on over her dress. The word endued means it, that God wraps something around you like a jacket and it's always upon you. Okay, so when you ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life, when you ask Jesus to baptize you with the Spirit, it's like putting on a jacket and that jacket is always with you. It's a part of your fabric. Okay, so words are powerful. They mean something. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, Jesus is speaking here. He's reiterating what has already been taught. Why? Because he knew people would try to manipulate the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said, wait a minute, they heard that from John, they need to hear that from me as well. This is important, this is powerful. When something is mentioned like that twice by two different people, it's something that we need to look at. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why? Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to stop at 1 through 4. That's where the, the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, those who had waited in the upper room. It's interesting and significant, and I want you to understand this. The Bible says there were 120 in the upper room. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9 that he sent out the 12, okay? And then in Luke chapter 10, he sent out the 70. See, there were true disciples being built up. 
And you have to understand that because this just wasn't the 12. So many people want to defer the lack of their understanding to say that, oh, this was what his disciples needed to start the New Testament church. That is not the case. That's why it's important to, for you to know there were 12 and then he taught uh, the 70. There were, with those 12, there were all kinds of people following him. And there were people who became disciples and they followed him everywhere he went. And they, become, they became the 70. 12 got sent out. Then 70 got sent out. And then the Bible says in the upper room there were 120 who got filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm pretty good at math. And 120 minus 12 is 108. There were 108 other people other than the 12 who got filled with the Holy Spirit. 109 because Judas... Uh, 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 committed suicide and Stephen had not been promoted yet. So let's, let's not cheat the ninth one. It's 109 who were there receiving the baptism of the Spirit. Why? Because this was always intended to be a progressive thing for disciples to be able to not only do the work but to share their testimony and see others get to receive what they have received. This is never about what's good for me. This is always about what's good for the totality of, of what God has in store. Now, in Acts 2.17, or 16, it says, uh, in Peter, he's preaching a message. I could preach a whole message about, here is Peter who denied Christ and became restored. He denied Christ three times, but... He got filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the first thing he did? He didn't deny Christ any longer. In the flesh, he didn't have what it took to stand up against the crowd saying, hey, you're the one who was with Jesus. No, I'm not. No, I'm not because I don't want to hang on the cross like Jesus. I don't have that kind of, hey, you were the one who was. No, that wasn't me three different times. But guess who's not denying Christ now? And what's the difference between the denial and the first message? The baptism with the Holy Spirit. That's the only thing that has changed. Is that he received power when the Holy Spirit came upon him to be witnesses. And this is what he's doing in verse 14. Standing up with the eleven, he raised his voice and said to them. But this is what I want you to see. Because it's always good to know that there is New, Old Testament prophecy that confirms what's happening in the New Testament. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in verse 17. And it came to pass when in the last days. This is what he's saying. So he's prophesying after the resurrection of Jesus, we, are, we will be living in the last days. What's he going to do? Somebody grab me some water if you wouldn't mind. Uh, it came to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit Thanks. Oh, I got the fancy cup, too. Wow. Mm. Thank you. What, what's he going to do in the last days? He's going to pour out his spirit on, on what? Wait, I can't hear you. Who's he pouring? Can you say that a little louder? One more time, a little louder. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're all flesh. That's right. You're... You're the all flesh there that he's talking about, baby. That's right. So when he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, what is the designation? Is it the disciples or the apostles? No. Is it uh, 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 something of the only the ones that walked with him, the 12, the 70, and the 120? No. It's everybody. This is yours for the taking. And this is what gets frustrating. When the church has not understood the Holy Spirit, so they either teach against it or they don't teach it at all. And we've got to have it. It's non-optional. The prophet Joel prophesied, Jesus said, wait for it now, uh, and we're just to receive it. And it came to pass in the last days, I'll pour out my flesh, on, uh, on my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will what? Prophesy. Why would we not prophesy? If we are directly connected to God and he speaks to us, why would we not speak what he speaks? It's the most, I mean, it's so naturally supernatural. It's just natural. 
If God speaks something for me, for Royal, what good would it be for me to keep it inside of me instead of telling Royal? I'm robbing him of what God wants to say to him. I know you do, brother. Hey, aren't you glad that Royal's back with us today? Amen. Hallelujah. Royal, I'm not going to lie to you. When you stood up to walk out, a thousand eyes went, <gasps> and I was one of them. Hallelujah. God, the Lord is so good. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see dreams and thank God. The old men, uh, wait a minute. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants, okay, because I'm going to blow the, the woman thing up here. Okay, let me just blow the woman thing out of the water. Well, Jesus doesn't want women to speak in church. Really? Then why would he give them the spirit of prophecy? Come on. Okay, I'm not going there. Okay, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall, I will one day go there. Okay, okay. And I, on your men servants and your maid servants, he will what? I will pour out my spirit in those days. And what? They shall prophesy. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Okay, we see the baptism in, uh, the, the words of the baptism in one, wait there, two, they received it. The guy who, would, who, who denied Christ is now preaching in front of crowds for Christ. And now we have uh, uh, Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31. Why is the Holy Spirit come in us and to be upon us? It's because he ha if he has a message for you, you have to overcome the fear of man, the fear of losing this, the fear of not having that, and you have to have the boldness of Christ to be able to perform what he's called you to do. And verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are the God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. By, who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Kings of the earth uh, took their stand and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, you are the holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through your name, the name of your holy servant Jesus. In verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. There was something bold. There were many people at this gathering here who were not the 120. There were people who were a part of the 120 and they got filled again. And the people who were not in the 120, they got filled for the first time. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8 and let's look at verse 14. Acts 8 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they what? Might receive the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? What did I say earlier? What do you have to do? Ask. ask. That's it. You just have to ask. That's it. You have to ask. For as yet he had, uh, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Two baptisms. I'm, I'm, I say that time and time and time and time and time and time again. The, the Bible wouldn't make these designations if it were not true. 
Okay? Then what happened? They laid hands on them, and they what? They received the Holy Spirit. If, if, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it's as simple as the person who's asking God for the Spirit, for you who have the Spirit, to just reach over and put your hand on their shoulder and just pray, be filled with the Spirit. You know, we make it really difficult. Oh, but this time I didn't pray in tongues. It's okay, you will. You will. You, you will release it. Your Western mind is listening to what your mind's telling you, and you have a hard time saying it because it doesn't match up with your, your logic. The idea of logic and faith, they do not mix. They are oil and, and, and water. Logic and faith are oil and water. Okay? So let's take a peek here. So they laid hands on them, and half of them received the Holy Spirit. Ah, I feel sorry for that other half. No, the prophet Joel said, and all will be filled with the Spirit. And this says, they laid on hand, the hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon, listen to this, Simon the sorcerer, when he saw that through laying on of, uh, uh, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. There is such a lack of understanding <coughs> of how this works. And it's got nothing to do with you or your money. Okay, it's got everything to do with Jesus and the price he paid and going to be seated at the right hand of the Father so this could be released to us. Are y'all bored? Am I boring you? Because, I mean, I'm excited about this. I mean, I, uh, this is like if I was going to write a 4,000-word uh, paper, it would be on the Holy Spirit. Okay, and Simon, when he saw that, he wanted to pervert it. He wanted it because he wanted it to be a part of his magic act. Saying, give me this power also that... Anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Spirit. But it made Peter upset. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Did I mention that the Holy Spirit was a gift from the Father? If I told you all I had a gift for you, and underneath your seat is a $100 bill. There would be the biggest ruckus that has ever happened in the history. You better get out the way because these guys would be throwing the seats back because there's three people not here, so that's another hundred, another hundred, another hundred. Not you, I know that. I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> Sam's looking at me like, don't you say that about me. I don't, I don't need that kind of thing. But if you knew there was a gift under your seat, uh, for like, uh, if, if you're a big Starbucks fan and I told you there's a $100 Starbucks gift card out of there, man, you'd rip that out. And the first thing you'd do when you got to the parking lot is you'd call your friends and say, you can't going to believe this, dude, I got a $100 Starbucks gift card at church. You would have no problem receiving that gift. Why do we have a problem receiving a gift from the Father called the Holy Spirit? Amen. So Peter said, no, that's not the case. Turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 9. This is the encounter on the road to Damascus. This is where uh, uh, the, the apostle Paul, Saul, is going to be turned to Paul. This is where Ananias got called to duty that none of us would like this call. I want you to go minister to the murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Then Ananias, in verse 13, answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all whom call on your name. And the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Do you guys realize that there are meth and fentanyl dealers right now that God's trying to capture their attention. Do you understand that? Because there are meth and fentanyl and all these heroin dealers that have people they know that you don't know because you're not hanging around with heroin people. But there are people, heroin people, that need to hear about Jesus because unless they do, they're probably going to die. You understand me? 
This is a murderer of, of Christians. And, and God said, if I apprehend his heart, he's going to be so passionate for me that he'll end up writing the majority of the New Testament. We have to look at people. Oh, I, I think I preached about this. We got to look at people differently. We got to see what God has in store for their life. Go, for he is a chosen vessel. Verse 16, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me, why? That you should receive your sight, he was blinded, and what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Paul was going to have the most unbelievable ministry that you could ever read about. But he, before he had the baptism, he was, a, he was a, a, an, an, a, a Jew who knew everything about God and his Judaism. But once he received the Holy Spirit, something came upon him that changed and transformed his life forever. Acts chapter 10 the century, or the, uh, the in Caesarea, when Peter and this guy get together, verse 44, Peter was still speaking those words. The Holy Spirit ap fell upon all who heard. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. And as many people as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles only. Write this down if you're taking notes. Write down Acts chapter 11 verses 1 through 18, and that's your homework for when you leave here. So what, what do we do? What do we do with this? What, what do we do with this? Do we take this, this, this message and chew on it a little bit? And, and you know, no. I, I think the chewing's done. I think, I think the time to chew is over. It's no time to chew, it's time to make a choice. There's a difference between chewing and choosing, and let me tell you what I have found out. When God speaks a message to people, and it's clear about a direction or destiny, and you choose to chew on it, you never do it. You never do it. Because in your chewing, the enemy talks you out of it. He just does, it happens, that's what happens. And there's people in here right now who have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I know that. And part of it is because is you've chewed on it for a long time. And now I would just say this to you. It's time to choose. Are you going to choose some more or are you just going to receive the gift? It's, it's that simple. And so this is what I want to happen. If you want to receive the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, whether... You've already been filled or you have not. I want you to stand right now. Just stand right where you are. I want to receive the baptism or I want to receive a fresh infilling. If you say, I've already received the baptism, but I want to be filled again. I want a fresh infilling. But if you've never been filled with the Spirit, I want you to stand. This is going to be a great moment. It's going to be a great moment and we're going to make it easy. Okay. So if you've never been filled, Amy, can you come and, and play just a little bit? I meant, to, I meant to say that to you earlier. You asked me, by the way, was the worship just not incredible today? I mean, it was just, it just gets better and better and better and better every week. So if you would, if you would say today, Pastor, I want to make a choice. Today, I, I, I want to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and I, I've never received it before. Just raise your hand right where you are. You say, Pastor, I want to receive the baptism today. First time. God bless you. Who else? God bless you. Little guy in the back. God bless you. Okay. God bless you. Who else? Who else says, Pastor, today I want to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Okay. God bless you. Okay, now, here's what I want you to do, and I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I'm doing this because I want to minister to you. Come forward right now. If that's you, I want you to come forward right now, real quickly. Okay, this is, a, don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't think twice about it. Don't now quit. Come on, come on. If you're, if that's you, come on. Come on forward right now. 
Okay? Now, this is what I'm going to do. Okay? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to first pray for a fresh infilling of everyone who has already received. And then all of those people are the ones that are going to pray for you to receive your baptism with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if you've already received your bat, there's more people that need to be up here. I'm just telling you that right now. Okay? So it's okay. And I, I just know there's some more people that need to receive the baptism for the first time. Okay? But you can sneak up here in just a moment. If you've already been filled with the Spirit, just lift your hands. And section by section, I'm going to pray for a fresh infilling. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for all of these fantastic folks. And I pray, God, that you would continually fill them with your Spirit. Let the Spirit of God, the joy, the manifestation, the impartation come upon them. Father, let them see great things, dream great dreams, and have the courage and boldness to prophesy. Father, I thank you, God, for this section right here. I pray for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. Father, let your Spirit just be poured out upon them and fill them to overflowing, Father. And let every uh, uh, gift and everything that they need be theirs in Jesus' name and that they would prophesy. Father, I thank you for this section that's full of so many wonderful people. I pray for a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit. If you have your prayer language, just begin to pray right now. Father, let there be a fresh infilling of these folks. Father, let this be an hour and a time where your Holy Spirit just re-energizes, rejuvenates, Father, all the things that you have in store for their life in Jesus' name. Father, for this section of great saints and believers, Father, let your Holy Spirit just be poured out upon them. Let a fresh infilling come into their lives. Let them, God, uh, 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 know your voice. And Father, let them know their purpose. And let them be willing to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth to share their faith. And Father, I thank you for this section. Let there be a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit, that the joy and peace of God would come upon them. Father, I pray, as you have uh, re-energized and refreshed every single person, I pray, God, that you give them their heart's desire in Jesus' name. Now, what I want some of you to do, if you uh, 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 believe in this impartation, I want you to come and begin to lay hands on these folks. Caleb, turn around and get, in, and do, get in front of these guys. Come on. I need all you guys. Yeah, I want you to minister to the front side for them. Okay, now, just stand behind them. Just put your hands out. There's some of you right now. All I want these guys, get them to just ask. Father, fill me with your spirit. Just ask. Say, Father, fill me with your spirit. Just ask. Open your mouth and ask. God, fill me with your spirit. Just tell him, fill me with your spirit. There's going to be words that come through your mind or words that you've not heard naturally. When you hear that syllable, just begin to pray it out. When you hear the voice of God and the Holy Spirit speaking in you and through you, just speak it out. Just, be, just speak it out. Come Holy Spirit, yes, fill them to overflowing. Fill them to overflowing. Out of the belly, let living, rivers of living water flow. Yes, yes, just, just let your mouth move and let your words speak. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this man of God. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Murra mamande de be sitarabasota, carrebe ke terede be atora mamande, furre de sti adora mamacande de be. Urra baba basi kete. Urra, Father, we just come against the idea of logic and we just ask that faith would move right now. That faith would move right now. Hallelujah. Kurrebe ke terebe. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kurrebe ke terebe atarabasonde. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Kurraba katarabasonde. Utaraba. Tell um, Grant to put me on Gideon's camera. Kurraba kaya tarabasonde. Just focus in on me right here. Kurraba katarabasonde. Are we up? Hey, look, if you're watching us at home right now, this is as simple as it can be for you as well. And so I want to encourage you today that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right where you are. So if you're with a friend, you're with your husband or your wife, just lay hands on each other right now. I want to pray for you. Father, today I just ask in Jesus' name, that the baptism with the Holy Spirit would come upon all of us, all of those who are watching us today live. And Father, we're just so thankful, God, to be able to have this connection. And Father, there is no separation in, in your house or in your love or in what you can do. So Father, right now, I pray for an infilling of your spirit with each person who is watching us today in Jesus' name. If you're watching us today, there'll be syllables and things that come into your mind. And these are the things that we speak out. These are our prayer languages. And it, uh, sometimes it doesn't sound logical, but it is, it's good, it's powerful. And I just pray a blessing upon you in Jesus' name. Parobo shatararamayande ikapasoterebe hando reshti adoramakaya. Let the baptism be your portion today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, just fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them, fill them to overflowing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. Oh yes, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just trust him. Hallelujah. Yeah, your lips are moving. Now just speak it out. That's it. You got it right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just, just let it just pour out of you like rivers and streams of living water. What's your name, Chris? I just really have felt, uh, even from the first time I saw you today, that the Lord is going to bring fresh revelation to things that you've read in the past even. You're going to see them in a whole nother light. There's going to be, uh, I mean, there's going to be times when you want, you, you're going to look at your, uh, clock and you're going to say, I've been reading for a half hour or, and it just seems like minutes. And I, I, I want to ask you to do what I said earlier today. When you open your word, say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay, good. All right. Just keep doing that. And Father, I just thank you for this man of God. 
I thank you for the great destiny and purpose that you have in his life. I thank you, Father, that as the inspiration and the infilling of the Holy Spirit works in and through him, Father, that these feet would travel in places that they've never traveled before. Father, that this voice would speak with boldness in times when it held back. And Father, that there would be a peace and a joy that would come in his life that surpasses all understanding. And so, Father, we thank you for this moment in history is his moment of receiving the infilling of the Spirit. Let a spirit of faith just arise within him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. We're looking forward to continuing on. Pastor Caleb's going to start a tremendously great series in the book of Colossians next week. Enjoy your day. It's a beautiful day. Hallelujah. A beautiful time to celebrate with family and friends. God bless you. Continue to talk. If you have any other questions or you're visiting with us today, my wife and I would love to get to say hello to you before you go. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.